Hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad you're joining me today. This is part two on five ways that we can bless students. Well, I want you to know that actions speak louder than words. Now now you know that. But two Kentucky farmers who owned racing stables had developed a keen rivalry. One spring, each of them entered a horse into the local steeplechase. Thinking that a professional rider might help them outdo his friend, one of the farmers engaged a crack jockey. Well, the two horses were neck and neck, with a large lead over the rest of the pack at the last fence. But suddenly, both fell, unseating their riders. The professional jockey remounted quickly and rode on to win the race. Returning triumphantly to the paddock, the jockey found the farmer who had hired him fuming with rage. What's the matter, the jockey asked. I won, didn't I? Oh yeah, roared the farmer. You won all right, but you crossed the finish line on the wrong horse. You see, in a hurry to remount after the fall, the jockey had jumped on his competitor's horse. You see, success is meaningless when we are in the right. Uh, That's what makes it the meaning point. So maybe today, as you're thinking about how you can influence young people, and by the way, you are influencing them one way or another, we are looking at a passage of scripture that talks about five ways that we can bless students. Paul, writing to young Timothy, says, let no man despise thy youth. Don't you love that? Don't let anybody despise your youth. Don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. Instead, he says, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Well, yesterday we looked at the first way that we encourage students, and number one is with the words that we use and what you say. Today, we want to look at the remaining four ways that we can bless students. Here is the second way. We can be an encouragement by having actions or conduct that is exemplary. Paul says, in the way you live. That's where actions speak louder than words. You've heard the expression, your actions are speaking so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. Well, the psalmist said, from birth, you have been with me. God's been with me from my mother's womb. You have cared me. He says, no wonder I'm praising you. My life is an example to many because you have been my strength. You have been my protection. That is why I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long. So as I look at the second point, I want to encourage you that you can bless students by the way that you live. People are watching the way that you live. They're listening to the words you use, and your life is a walking sermon. So are you walking in a way that your actions are encouraging to those who are following you? Are you providing a good example? You know, when I think about how I do what I do, and you're the same way, if you want to be honest, the things that we do, we've learned from others. As a matter of fact, the way that I preach, 
I actually learned from a guy that that I listened to in Bible college many years ago, and he had rapid development, uh, rapid speech, and so that's why I speak real fast. I learned it from a guy by A.V. Henderson, who was a mentor to me. I didn't know the guy that well personally, but I listened to him for hours. And I like the fact, you know, maybe it's because I'm ADHD, right? And if I don't say something fast, I'm going to forget it. But uh, I learned to have a rapid delivery from a guy by the name of A.V. Henderson. I didn't learn this on my own. Uh, I learned it by imitating him. Now, I had to develop my own style, and and you discover that you have to develop your own style no matter what you're doing. But I've discovered that uh, we pick up and we mimic, and that's how people learn. I am blessed now to have a, uh, a grandson, and he's about to turn a year old. And he likes to mimic me, and he'll do exactly what I do. Uh, so we've got to be very careful in how we have our actions Make sure that we're careful in the way that we live. So our words, our actions, and then number three, we must have exemplary love, unconditional love. Words, action, love. You know, when I think about a passage of Scripture that I memorized many years ago, when my kids were very young, I memorized this verse because I didn't want to frustrate my kids. And so Paul says in Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children in anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So Paul is here saying, you know, don't poke the bear, don't provoke your children to anger, but don't just have a hands off and you can do what you want. He says, but instead, bring them up in discipline and instruction. A family adopted a child from really an unspeakably horrific orphanage in another country. When they brought her home, one of the things they told her was that she was expected to clean her room every day. When she heard about that responsibility, she fixated on it, and she saw it as a way that she could earn her family's love. In other words, She isolated the responsibility and applied to her existing frame of thinking that was shaped by the life in the orphanage. So every morning when her parents came into the room, it was immaculate. And she would sit on her bed and she would say, my room is clean. Can I stay? Do you still love me? Her words broke her new parents' hearts. Eventually, the girl learned to hear her parents' words as their unconditionally beloved child who would never be forsaken, not as a visitor trying to earn her place in the family. Now, after she knew this, she was an inseparable part of the family story. Even correction and discipline didn't cause her to question her family's love for her. She understood correction and discipline to be part of what it meant to be in the family. Could your children say that of you? The students that you know, do they look at you and say, I may not always agree with you, but I know that you have unconditional love for me. You see, students need words of affirmation. They need an example to follow. and They need unconditional love. And so we're reminded in this text that we are to live in such a way that they see Christ in us. I can't remember who said this, but the phrase goes like this. Rules without relationships 
leads to rebellion. You see, you need both in a healthy relationship. There are rules, but if you have no relationship, there's going to be a rebellion to that. Now, some people are very heavy on relationship, but they don't have the rules. And I think that also will lead to rebellion. I think you need both. When you think about how God deals with us, he loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us, but he also wants us to live a life of holiness. And that is for our benefit. That is for his glory. That's how he wired us. That's how he made us. Rules without relationships leads to rebellion. Rules with relationships leads to a positive outcome. So our students need encouraging words. They need an example to follow. They need unconditional love, knowing that we're going to love them no matter what. Our love for them is not diminished no matter what they do. It's not increased if they do good or decreased if they do bad. Our love for them is unconditional. You know, when I think about leading a family, I want to talk to the men just for a second. I found these unbelievable stats about salvation. Did you know that if a child gets saved in the family first, that 3.5% of the families will get saved later on? If the wife gets saved first, a 17% of the family will get saved. But if the dad gets saved first and actually lives out his faith consistently, walking with the Lord, providing that example, If the dad gets saved first, the husband gets saved first, 93% of the family gets saved. You see, guys, we have this tremendous influence over our families. Now, don't squander that. Don't waste that. Realize that God has called you to be the high priest of your home. You are the spiritual leader. You're like the pastor of your home. He said, I don't want to be a pastor. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, if you're a husband, you have children, and you're born again, uh, you are set apart for a wonderful opportunity, and that is to lead your family spiritually. Uh, so set the example. Give words of encouragement to your family and realize that they are looking at you as an example to follow. Well, we've talked about encouraging students with words. We talked about exemplary actions. We talked about unconditional love. Letter K, and we spell out the word walk, we are to give exhorting knowledge, okay? Exhorting information. Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses is writing, and he's instructing his people. He said, now listen, guys, this is what you should do. You want to love the Lord your God. And he uses this word all. Uh, He uses it several times in this passage. How do I love the Lord my God? With part of your heart. No, it doesn't say that. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Take to heart these words that I give to you today. And then he says this Not only are you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, but you are to repeat these words of God to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're away. Uh, When you lay down, talk about them. When you get up, talk about them. Write them down. Tie them around your wrist. Wear them as headbands as a reminder. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Uh, You know, one of the things I love about going to my home is is throughout my home, uh, my wife has put up different 
Bible verses and picture frames. And, oh, yeah, we got pictures of the kids and we got uh, pictures of the grandson and my soon granddaughter to be born. But we have Bible verses throughout the house to remind us. And I think this is coming from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Abraham Lincoln said this, you cannot help men permanently by doing for them what they could and should do for themselves. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead my children so that they will be engaging in the Word of God so that they can start doing what they should be doing. In his book, The Reason for God, Tim Keller, who just recently passed, said this, if you don't trust the Bible enough to let it change and correct your thinking, how could you ever have a personal relationship with God? And in any true personal relationship, the other person has to be able to contradict you. Uh, For example, if a wife is not allowed to contradict her husband, they won't have an intimate relationship. And he uses an example of an old movie. The old movie is called The Stepford Wives. And this movie goes way back uh, to the 1970s with the husbands of Stepford, Connecticut, which is kind of a a made-up town in Connecticut, decide to have their wives turned into robots who never cross the wills of their husbands. So a Stepford, Connecticut wife has got to be wonderfully beautiful and compliant, but no one would describe such a marriage as intimate or personal. Now, what happens if you eliminate everything from the Bible that offends your sensibility and crosses your will? If you pick and choose what you want to believe and you reject the rest, how will you ever have a God who can contradict you? Well, you won't. You'll have a step forward God, a God essentially of your own making, and not a God with whom you can have a relationship, and not a God in which you can have genuine interaction. Only if your God can say things that outrage you and make you struggle, as in a real friendship or a real marriage, will you know that you have gotten hold of a real God, not a figment of your imagination. So an authoritative Bible is not the enemy of a personal relationship with God. It is the precondition for it. You see, when I think about giving God's Word to students, giving God's Word to people, I heard the story of a retired pastor, and and he noticed that uh, his former congregation was sliding away from orthodoxy. The pastor saw this as his fault, noting that one thing he thought he did most poorly as a pastor, he stated it in two sentences. He says his great failure as a pastor is I always told the people what to believe. But my great mistake is that I never taught my people what not to believe. When I look at the Word of God, it tells us what to believe, and it tells us what not to believe. Oh, students need from us exhorting knowledge, not just encouraging words, not just exemplary actions, not just unconditional love, but they need to have the knowledge of God's Word. And that's going to sometimes rub them the wrong way. I think it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon who says, if the cat doesn't like the way it's being pet, then the cat needs to turn around. Well, that's what the Word of God does to us. As we get into the Word of God, it causes us to turn around, 
to be in sync with the Word of God. So there's one final point I've got to cover today in the broadcast. Our students need to see us engaged in purity. Now, you probably have never heard of Spruce Pine, North Carolina. This is a remote area, and it's tremendously important to the rest of the world. In Spruce Pine, North Carolina, there's a mineral found. They are snowy white grains, soft as powdered sugar. It's quartz, but not just any quartz. Spruce pine is a source of the purest natural quartz, a species of pristine sand, the most pristine sand ever found on Earth. Now, this ultra-pure material plays a key role in manufacturing the silicone that is used to make computer chips. In fact, uh, there's an excellent chance the chip that is in your laptop or, or in your cell phone was made using sand from this obscure Appalachian backwater Spruce Pine, North Carolina. Making today's computer chips is a fiendishly complicated process, and it requires essentially pure silicon. The slightest impurity can throw their tiny systems out of whack. Finding silicone is easy. It is one of the most abundant elements of the earth. The problem is, is that it never occurs naturally in pure form. Uh, separating out the silicone takes considerable doing. The sand is blasted in powerful electronic furnace, resulting in a 99% pure silicone. But that's not nearly good enough for high-tech uses. Additional extreme processing is required because computer chips need silicone to be 99.9999999% pure. That's 99.911s. We are talking about one lonely atom that is not silicone among billions of silicone companions. When we think about this, that is purity. The psalmist says, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commandments. Let me spend the remainder of this broadcast looking at Psalm 119, verses 9 through 15. A great question is asked. How can a young person stay pure in this crazy day that we're living in? How can my students that I love, my children that I adore, my grandchildren that maybe yet are even unborn, how can they stay pure? Well, David doesn't just ask the question. He answers the question by obeying your word. Not just knowing it, not just hearing it, not just studying it, but by obeying your word. David says, I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. What is David saying here? David is saying, this has been a long journey. When God finally revealed himself to me, it was a hard process. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
just two weeks ago, we had the closing program of the Iwana ministry that we have. They uh, they operate during the school year, and, and they finished up their program. And I was there uh, watching these children receive their awards. They had said verse and memorized verse after verse after verse and book after book after book. And I, w- I was so proud of these young people who have gone through these books and, and memorized these portions of Scripture. They are hiding God's Word in their heart so that they might not sin against you. David says, I praise you, O my Lord, teach me your decrees. So God's word being hidden in your heart, that's where you memorize it, uh, you commit it to your memory, and it keeps you from sinning. Uh, Then you praise God that you have God's word, and then you say, now, Lord, would you teach me your decrees? It's not just route memory, it's knowing what the word says. He says, I have recited aloud all the regulations that you have given. What is he saying here? He's not only saying, I'm obeying your word. I've studied your word. I've memorized your word. I'm praising you because of your word. I'm learning your decrees. But now he's saying, I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given. In other words, I'm expressing what the word says. I am proclaiming the Word of God. We could take it so far as to say that I am teaching others the Word of God. That's why I think it's so important to get young people connected in teaching God's Word, even as they're students teaching God's Word. David says, I've recited aloud all the regulations that you have but it doesn't stop there. I have rejoiced in your laws as, as much as in riches. In other words, he's saying here, I am so thankful for the Word of God. I am celebrating the Word of God. I am rejoicing in your laws. As a matter of fact, I celebrate them as much as I celebrate getting a new car. I celebrate this as much as having great wealth. I celebrate the fact that God has given me His Word, and it's even more important than the house that I live in. It's more important than my 401k. It's more important than anything else that I could have of material worth. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. And then he says, I will study your commands and reflect on your ways. So as he studies God's commands, he says, I'm going to reflect on these ways. In other words, I'm going to remember and I'm going to think back to how God has been with me every step of the way. And then verse 16, I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. I don't you love that passage? What an encouragement that is to us today. You know, John, before he was exiled on the island of Patmos, wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He said in 3rd John, verse number 4, that I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You know, I'm so excited to report that uh, I'm blessed to have children who are walking in the truth. And I want you to know that means more to me than their success in their careers. It means more to me than their financial stability. It means more to me uh, than their great health to have the fact that they are walking in the truth. Paul reminds us, and here is a challenge to all people, 
Don't be like the people of this world. But let God change the way you think. Then you will know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to Him. So, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to encourage young people to walk in purity. I pray everyone listening to this broadcast will use words of encouragement that they will live a life with exemplary actions. They will love others with unconditional love. That they will use God's word and God's knowledge to exhort and to encourage others. That they will be engaged in purity, living a life of holiness. And Lord, we give you the glory and honor for it. Thank you for being with us today. Help us not to be like people of the world, but let us be thinking like you. Then we can know everything that is good and everything that is pleasing. Lord, we have no greater joy than to know that our children are walking in the truth. So Lord, may we walk in purity, obeying your word, trusting in you with all of our heart, hiding God's word in our hearts so that we will not sin against you. We praise you today for giving us the wonderful word of God that encourages us and challenges us. We pray this all in the name of our dear, blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.